Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode of Ramble with Russell, show 572 of my podcast, the home of intelligent rambling, right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm your host, Russell, one of the longest single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. Got a great show lined up for you today. And today, we're going to try something a little different. Now, for the last, I don't know, umpteen years, y'all have been hearing me moan about my Acer. This poor old machine has been dropped and beat up a lot of times. And and, and it's, been, God, it's been giving me problems when I edit. I don't know if y'all can tell, but it's just, it, it's been kind of annoying me. So, as of this show, um, I am going to jump. We're jumping to the world, 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 world of the Mac. I am going to start recording this show, still using the good old Kraken headphones, Razor cracking headphones, but record this on a MacBook Air that my wife has generously let me use because of that. Because it it recognized the the Kraken without any kind of drivers or nothing. <clears throat> so we're gonna see how well this works and if there's a difference in quality and it's easier to edit. Does it take this long? Yada yada yada. So that is what is on the show today. So if you if you hear a difference, if you're going. By God, man, it it sounds better. Then then let me know, you know, um, send tweet me about it, something, you know, and say if if you notice a difference in the sound. We're gonna give this a try. I don't know how well it's gonna work, but you know, if anything, the last thirteen plus years, I experiment. So the experimenting will continue. What's on the show today on this another warm day? In July, here in southern, very southern Ontario, it's a lot less warm today than it was uh, a couple of days ago uh, when I could have recorded. We've been going through a crazy heat wave uh, here in Ontario, so (laughs) it's nice things have cooled down a little bit. Ah, for us here, so that is good, because, you know, it's just sweating... You know, unless you're doing it for a good reason, sweating is not fun. Happy belated Independence Day in Canada Day. Canada Day to my fellow Canadians. I've been staying to all my Americans, friends, listeners down south. Hope you had a good one and it was safe and fun. I got to see some fireworks from my house through some trees, but I didn't get eaten by mosquitoes. So, win-win for me. On the show this week, we're going to we're gonna go to a city, but this time to... 
New York City. It's a bit of a city-central focus today. We're going to catch up with the Broads, Elena and Abby, in Broad City, the complete series on DVD, courtesy of Paramount Home Video for the last run of these crazy ladies. And then we're going to kind of keep with the city theme, and this time with the BBC, and I'm going to give you my DVD review of the city and the city. And no, I'm not repeating myself. That's the name of the show, starring David Morrissey, who, of course, I last saw as the governor in The Walking Dead. So with that is that, then we're going to skip a little bit of the light, fantastic sci-fi-wise uh, from the BBC, and I'll give you my DVD review of the Doctor Who, the animation collection, courtesy of BBC. And then we're going to go uh, to I Don't Want to Be Buried in a Pet Cemetery. Uh, with my review of, on Blu-ray, Pet Cemetery, the 2019 edition. And I will tell you why I just sung a bit of that song. Um, that is all coming up on this episode of the show. That is it for me in this opening bit. I'm going to take a little musical interlude right up with the first review of the show. First DVD review for this episode is Broad City, the complete series, courtesy of Paramount Home Video. Now, this show originally aired on the good old Comedy Central Network and had a pretty decent run for five years. It ran from 2014 to 2017, although I'm, somehow they got five seasons out of that. And this show follows the adventures of Abby and Elena, two besties that live in New York City, and and just their adventures throughout the city. Now, these two women, I've reviewed, I went back in the archives and I looked, I reviewed seasons three and four, and, and I'll give you my review of five in this one. I thought I reviewed seasons one and two, but for the life of me, I can't seem to find those. But if you want my full reviews of season three and four, just look back in the older episodes and you'll find them there. For now, I'm just going to talk mainly about season five in this review and just the series overall and all the extras that got included in it. As I said, this is an odd little show that, you know, <laughs> this is definitely not a show. I, I probably repeated this before. That's not for people who are prudish in any way. These two, uh, their humor is is quite unique. And, and it even has, it's weird, it has censored nudity in it. So at one point, these women were naked on stage, yet as the audience, you don't see it. So it basically follows the, the adventures. Abby, uh, as you go through the five years, she's, st she's a struggling artist in New York City. She starts off the show as a cleaner at a fitness gym. She really wants to be a trainer. I mean, super wants to be a trainer, but ends up just being like a cleaner. And you see her kind of work her way through that. And then eventually she gets some success, that kind of thing. Um, Alana just, she's kind of all over the place. She works for a long time, I think for some kind of weird call center called Deals, Deals, Deals. I'm not sure exactly what she was supposed to do there, but she didn't work. Abby has a much stronger worth ethic than than Alana does by a long shot. So it's basically their adventures 
in the city in the friendship, and they really have quite a close friendship. You also follow uh, Alana's on again, off again relationships with with her and the show. It's like they there's a definite strong friendship between these two. Throughout each of the seasons, you get uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of uh, outtakes. Uh, Hack the city. These are little, I guess, delete uh, sort of deleted scenes, but not deleted scenes of just extra bits and deleted scenes as well. Also, with this one, now the packaging Paramount loves the flip cases, so you get the flips in, in this one, which is good. I like, I actually prefer that than the cardboard sleeves. I really can't stand cardboard sleeves. Um, so you get that, and so you get all five seasons that way, and then for this complete series you actually get a bonus disc of of just kind of goodbye stuff so not only do you get the usual bonuses and because it's two discs per season but you actually get an extra bonus disc which is kind of cool because it gives you an even more making of the fifth season and a little tour of the apartment and this season does have quite a close to it there are some wrapping ups and through all the whack wacky kind of crazy comedy there are some really heartfelt moments between a lot of these characters and you get a feeling that even though there you know there's a bit of moving and separation that happens at the end it's not going to stop these two from being friends and, and you can then the, the the friendship they have genuinely you know carries in you know, it's not just they play characters, it's off them off camera as well. So <laughs> there's that with that. I mean, it, it really is a, it's an odd show. I've, I've kind of said that before. The humor is not for everybody. And at times, boy, does it get weird. And, and they do kind of improvise a lot. You do get, um, as I said, you get that special feature that has, you know, over 30 minutes of additional extras that you get that I don't think you get if you just buy season five by itself. So that in itself, if you're looking for a weird, you know, kind of interesting comedy central series, I've reviewed a few comedy centrals uh, on the show, including workaholics and a few others. And, and it is a unique sense of humor between these two. You either um, like them or just find it really weird and strangely annoying. Your choice. No commentary on any of the episodes. That is a shame. I, I always like commentary on TV shows, and I think it would have been interesting to hear them talk about it. The, not These ladies not only kind of write and star, but they also semi-direct as well, too. Some of the outfits are crazy. Like Alana, she has this kind of Matrix outfit this season in the fifth, which is just... I don't know how she even fit into that and how she even got out of it. A lot of, a lot of talc, I'm thinking. So the fifth season is is good as as a good kind of wrap up kind of thing, and then they do have a few crazy adventures. Uh, it, it is what it is. It, if you don't like it, you know, and it's up to you. But uh, if you're looking for a completist, yeah. If you're saying, well, you know, I bought all these, you know, previous seasons. Can I just buy the fifth? Well, if you just buy the fifth, you're gonna miss out on that extra this with the um extras in it so that that is completely up to you overall uh a unique comedy series and the animation in it is is <laughs> it's, it's out there too a lot of times so that is my take of broad city the complete series on dvd courtesy of the great folks paramount home video
second TV show on DVD for this episode is The City and the City, courtesy of BBC Home Video. Now, this is a very interesting show, and, and it's got a show that I don't know if this would fly if they made an American version of it. But what it is, it stars David Morrissey as Theodore Bordeaux, such an interesting name, who is uh, of the extreme crime squad in the European city-state of Bezel. And he gets, he gets sent in to investigate the murder of a student from Bezel's twin city of Elkoma, uh, or Coman, uh, which, which occupies the same space but perceived differently. Now, this is an odd little sci-fi movie in that these two cities occupy the same area, but they're almost in kind of parallel universes. They don't really go into the big explanation of it. It's not like, you know, 
Scientific America with a going, well, see, the reason why the cities are the way they are, no. They kind of say, okay, you got Bells, Be- uh, Bezel and you got Elkoma, Coleman, and, and these two cities, they coexist side by side, but they can barely see each other. There's points where they you can kind of see each other, and the society between these two cities is completely different. Bezel, it's more of a rough kind of downtrodden place, whereas Okoman is more of an upper-class kind of hoity-toity kind of richer. And and there's an organization that kind of controls, like citizens can't just willy-nilly cross over in between the two communities. And there's an organization called The Breach. And unless you go through proper channels, you can't, you're not allowed just to hop and back and forth between them. So that's the premise of this. So it's kind of sci-fi, but they don't knock you over with the head in it. So I'm more seen as uh, Inspector Bolu. And and Bor- Morrison, Morrissey kind of, like I said, the last time I saw this guy was the governor in Walking Dead. And he was just amazing in that, in the earlier seasons of The Walking Dead. If you have a chance... And this is a guy who used to be a singer, and he's great. And it's it's funny watching Morrison here and then Walking Dead. He, so him and Liam Neeson, I swear, they're so similar. I would love to see those two do like a movie together and and be like brothers or something and, and, and just or be working together. And, and you have like, I want you to go over here. No, I'd rather go there. No, go here. And just back and forth. That, I'd, I'd really like that. Uh, so Borlu in this one, he gets he gets charged to investigate this woman who kind of is from the one city but died over in Bezel. And so that and then he has a connection to this and that he had a former wife that that defected to the other side. In the midst of these two cities, we have a third city, which is kind of the um the um the, the kind of ghost city, if you will, that 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 the that is that is talked about a lot. Uh and 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 it's and it's kind of like the the city it's it's like a, the city within the city within the city that that gets brought up here with that. So it's very much that that's kind of on that. So you have Bezel and Acoma, right? So they're kind of neighboring cities, but they're not. But then again, they're this this third city that that is really kind of bringing up the the uh, attention here. So that's kind of the plot of it. So so the uh, so so uh, uh, and this is only a four episode series. The Brits love to just do four. So so Berlu gets assigned to this, even though he has a real personal connection between the two, and he has to kind of investigate this murder. And as these four episodes gone, you realize that that there's a connection that that they they hint on that really comes to forward as this show progresses. The the music in these shows are really cool. It's kind of like a techno kind of drum drum, and it really is. Um, um, and you know, a kind of techno kind of feel to it. Yeah, Orsini is this magical kind of third city that nobody really wants to talk about. So as this goes on, that that is is what 
kind of you have there. And so he's kind of skirting the line here between trying to get things done and, and kind of working with with the authorities on the other side of it as well. Uh, so that that's kind of the the story. It is a very odd little move, movie, and it when you watch it, you get the feeling like you, you get the feeling like you should have watched something before this to totally understand it. But by the time you get to that fourth episode, you're like, oh, oh, okay, I see things kind of sit in. But for a while at the beginning, you're like. Should I have watched something before? I feel I should know things before I watch this. Because I don't know these things, I find things confusing. I, as weird as it sounds. This uh, quoted, because I love quotes, people. The production handles Melville's smudging brilliantly. Uh, Meville's. It could be Melville. It looks and sounds amazing. Subtle distortions and smeared glass. Yeah, a lot of smeared glass they do in this. Uh, making reality seem porous and unreliable. Yeah, the, the line between the two cities, it's a really odd kind of sci-fi premise. I don't think I've, I've seen that before. That quote is from the Sunday Times culture. It's very British. And and it is, uh, yeah, kind of genre-busting in a way because it does a, a different kind of take on sci-fi, which, you know, you don't see much anymore, and I'm I'm all for that. Overall, it is what it is. There are no extras on this. There are no commentaries, no behind the scenes. The way it ends, I'd like to see a second series. I'm curious to see where they would go with that. Because Berlou, at the end of this, is not in the same place he was when he started this. So there is a lot of good character growth in that. And it, it does play with perceptions. I also like Maria Schrader. She plays senior detective Dahat. I, I like her character in this one as well. So that is my take of The City and The City on DVD, courtesy of the great folks at BBC Home Video.
My DVD animator review for this episode is Doctor Who the Animation Collection, courtesy of BBC Home Video. Now, this is a very interesting collection of five Doctor Who stories. And so on this collection, we have um, Dreamland and The Infinite Quest. These are both starring David Tennant. And these ones were done kind of... Um, in the middle of, of one of his seasons. You also have The Power of the Daleks. This is the whole old Second Doctor show, which was released primarily on animation, because as you know, if you know your Doctor Who, the first and second Doctors, those seasons back in the day in the BBC, they didn't have a lot of hindsight, and how they treated it, a lot of those first and second Doctor footage is lost or gone because they taped over it. Oh, Lordy. And the only thing that remains of a lot of those first and second Doctor stories are are just audio clips. So thankfully, back in the day, people recorded them audially, but a lot of the visuals are gone. And what the BBC has been done the last few years is they either fill in the the footage, you know, according to production notes and scripts, uh, with animation instead of the live action footage, which is no longer there. So they did that with Power of the Daleks. I last reviewed this on the show way back in 2017. So if you go back through the archives, it's there. I had to check to go. Did I talk about this? And yeah, I have talked about it before. So I'm not going to get into too depth about some of these stories because I've already talked about them. So I encourage you to go around 2017, look back at the older archives. I do talk about that release there. So I'm not going to talk about it here. It is a great second Doctor story, and I do like the animation. Also, including this one is the Scream of the Shalka. This is a really cool animation piece, piece that was done sometime after the events of the TV movie. I'll go more on that in a bit. And, of course, Shada. Now, this is the first, as far as I know, DVD release of this Shada. This version of Shada, of course, was released on the uh, most recent Fourth Doctor Blu-ray set, which I talked about on the show not too many episodes ago. So again, I won't talk about it too much. As I said when I reviewed the Blu-ray a while back, I loved seeing Shada for the first time complete, even with the animated sequences. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that again. If you wanted me to hear talk about that, listen to that in that review. It's a nice addition. So we have two stories of the 10th, one of the fourth, one of the, the the second, and Scream of Shalka. Now, so I'm not going to talk about too much Power of the Daleks and Shada because go back to the other interviews, reviews, I talked about them there. But we'll talk about the other three. Now, the um, Scream of Shalka is a very interesting. This one actually f first aired, if you will, as a web series. And timeline-wise, this went on the web in between the 8th Doctor's TV movie in the 90s and before the series properly rebooted in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston. So in this one, in this animated feature, Richard E. Grant is the Doctor. And this is, again, before they had cast Christopher Eccleston. So for a while, until the 2005 revival, this was, temporarily at least, our ninth. Doctor. And they kind of treated it that way. And it was kind of cool. It was like it was like the BBC in a way kind of were testing the waters and going, you know, is there, you know, still a desire for Doctor Who? Meanwhile, 
you know, uh, in between in between the the TV movie of Paul McCann and the 2005 revival, there was definitely interest there. You know, Big Finish was just pumping out the audios of the classic Doctors. So, yeah, they 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 finally got the clue that there is an audience still out there that wants to see the Doctor back on TV. So, this is what it was. This story is very interesting in that Richard E. Grant pays a very unique version of possibly the ninth doctor could have been. And I would have been, I almost would have mentioned to you how he would have taken on the reboot instead of, um, Eccleston. So that is that story involves him, uh, encountering some, some beings on earth called the Shalka. These are weird kind of subterranean lizardy kind of dudes creatures that emit sound that crash landed on earth because so many aliens do that and it's up to the doctor and a new companion a african-american companion so before martha there was allison and so she has a role in the story very interesting as kind of a what it could have been story now the other two i'm going to talk about are dreamland and the infinite quest these are two starring the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, uh, in in The Infinite Quest, he stars along Martha, so I believe this aired sometime during Martha's run. Kind of an extra story animated where the Doctor gets sent on a quest to retrieve objects, very similar to The Key of Time, and also stars the voice work of Sir Anthony Head. Of course, it was Giles and Buffy, and of course appeared in Doctor Who and School Reunion, so he has a bit in that. The second one, Dreamland, is a, a and the Infinite Quest has done more of the style of animation, which we would grow to see very popular in Doctor Who. Infinite uh, Dreamland is done actually kind of mostly on computer 3D animation, which kind of shows its age. And this time around, the um, the Doctor is joined by two companions. One actually played by um, Georgia Moffat, who would go on to star. I believe in another, uh, in a live action version of Doctor Who, but she is the companion in this one. And then there's another kind of um, Native American character who constantly calls him Doc, which reminded me a lot of Ace in Sylvester McCoy. And that one is Aliens and Roswell and a very unique story. It was actually um, longer. Both of them were longer. Then, well, actually, no, Dreamland and Infinite Quest were around the 44 minute work. Uh, Screaming the Shalka was over an hour in total. I remember that one aired as individual bits. They broke it up, broke it up, and aired it in little chunks, and you could watch it individually. This one collects them all in one big master chunk, and I believe it's the first time it's ever hit DVD. You have over seven hours of content here, which is pretty darn cool. So if you're a fan of Doctor Who, this definitely picked this up. You kind of have to, you know, kind of forgive the, the earlier animation and it being kind of primitive. And if you want to pick up the complete Shada and didn't right now want to shell out the money for the Blu-ray, here's an alternative for you here because you get that same extra in its entirety right here on DVD. Overall, I, I like these stories. Watching the Tenth Doctor one, oh, it makes me miss. I miss that theme song. It was so good, and I like the difference they did with Screamer Shalka. Again, a 
Another take on the old theme song, and it would have been interesting if that one would have stayed. So you be the judge on that one. And I think Richard E. Grant made a very interesting Doctor Who. So that is my take of the uh, Doctor Who, the animated collection on DVD, courtesy of great folks at BBC Home Video. My Blu-ray Movie Review Plus episode is Pet Cemetery, circa 2019. I say this because this is yet another version of this said movie. Now, the original Pet Cemetery movie adaptation came started 
way back in 1989. And to this day, I'm going to say it, is one of my favorite Stephen King kind of adaptations. And I remember actually seeing that movie way back in the theater. And that is just a super creepy movie. Now, what's interesting about the 1989 movie, and you know you're saying, why are you talking about 1989? You want to talk about the new one. I have to compare, all right? What's interesting about the 1989 movie is is that, it, you know, I, and I rewatched it again. I even rewatched Pet Cemetery 2, people, for y'all, just to get a comparison, because it's been a while since I've seen it, and that movie is still creepy. And what helped, I think, with that one back in 1989 is the screenplay was actually written by Stephen King, which is kind of cool. And, and, and also, because it's Stephen King, and he doesn't do this so much anymore, at least I didn't spot it in the new one, but in his older, whenever they adapt his work for older TV shows and movies and look for it, he often has a guest cameo. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and he did that in the old one, but I didn't see anything in the new one. So the old one was generally creepy. And rewatching it again uh, just made me love old 80s horror movies because it gave me that same feels of like an Amer- American Werewolf in London. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street, especially the one Dream Warriors, uh, you know, that kind of 80s. The the Gremlins movie and and even, you know, Scream for late 80s, early 90s. That kind of horror kind of film. And one of the things I love about the old Pet Cemetery to this day is is the, the end song. Now, I, this seems to have gone away in horror movies, although some people try to bring it back. And one of the things I used to love in old horror movies was a lot of times the ending theme song or the song right as the credits roll. And in the 80s, man, I was starting to shout old, but in the 80s, they really nailed it. Uh, I'm serious about this. Because in Pet Cemetery, we have just a fantastic song by the Ramones of I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. And and and, and that, I, I still love that song. It, if I ever see that song, Ramblers, on karaoke, I'm doing it. I swear, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Big time. And, and, and that, you know, that was just, and, and a lot of songs had this, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, a true classic Campanades movie to watch, had that song by the Dickies, the killer clowns from out of space. It's really fun. And then, of course, uh, Freddy Krueger, um, Nightmare on Street 4, Dream Warriors had the Dream, War- Dream Warriors song by Dokken. Whatever happened to Dokken? You know, yeah, that. Gremlins, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't... Um, Vocal, but it was the dun 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 was super catchy, and then even I'll even give credit like Scream, right? Which that was you know late eighties, early nineties. The Whisper Two was Scream. Again, the at least horror movies kind of you know had their end song which matched the movie. Which I, just, I would people need to bring that back. I I really love that. Stranger Things does that a little bit on their show because it's very much an eighties homage. But I would love more modern horror movies to do that. They should. 
So now we're talking about the old, and the old was a classic. The kid in it that was Gage, it's the only movie that kid ever did. And he was super creepy, super creep. Hands down, you find me many more movies, not counting Child's Play, where you had a creepy little kid as creepy as that kid in the 89 Pet Cemetery. I challenge you, because that boy was just okie-dokie. And, and, and I thought it took a lot of guts to do that to a little kid back in the day, but that was what the book did. And, and that's what made it kind of cool. And also the original had Fred Gwynn as, as Judd, good old Herman Munster. And so that was another plus for me. So I really enjoyed that. Now, after the, the success of Pet Cemetery. <laughs> They did do a Pet Cemetery 2 back in 1992. Three years later, they wanted to kick at the can. Now, in the sequel, Stephen King had nothing to do with it. And the only way it was semi-related is because there was still people burying stuff in that graveyard. But, but... <laughs> It was so... Yeah, Eddie Furlong in the sequel. Fresh off of the Terminator 2, this kid was hot potatoes, so they put him in this. And also Clancy Brown is in this one. And and Clancy is great. He's, like, way over the top. And it's just a weird little movie. And there was a reason why there was never a Pet Cemetery 3. <sighs> in that. So that... That was that. Also, in the um, in the original movie, Elliot Goldenthal did the music, and he was a great composer back in the day. I, I don't think he's done much lately, but I really liked his music. He did a lot of soundtracks that I enjoyed. So he had that. In the new movie, we still have the Creed family moving to you know this idyllic you know house, but the stupid highway that that is you know with the crazy trucks. So you have that. Uh, this time around, Judd is played by John Lithgow, who at first I was like, all right. And although he's no Fred Gwynn, I think for as being that character, he works for me. He, he's just a good actor and one of those guys who will probably act until he's dead. I'm going to say. Uh, for the Creed family, this time around, you have Lewis is played by Jason Clark. Rachel is played by Amy Simitz. And uh, Ellie is played by Chattel Lawrence, a very young kind of up-and-coming kid. Gage is played by Hugo Lavoie. So, actually, Hugo and Lucas, because little kids, they always choose strength. This time around, too, Victor Pascal is played by Absa Ahmad. And this time, they've gone for Victor as an African-American man, whereas in the first movie, he was totally white. And, and going back to the first movie... Also, the first movie, the Victor Pascal movie, he was a ghost, but he was like a friendly ghost, much like the the friend of the main character in American Werewolf, where he came back not to haunt, but to try to help. It's like, dude, I'm dead, but my spirit is just trying to help you, but I'm still going to come back really gross. So it had that, again, that same kind of feel, the old one did. So that remains the same. But without giving away spoilers, because you know, Ramblers, I don't spoil things in the movie. In this movie, they make some changes to the plot. 
that uh, then they explain it in the extras. They say, okay, here's our rationale for it. Here's why we did it. Okay. I kind of get what you did. Why you thought you need to make the changes you did. And and part of me is like, wow, you didn't have the guts to do what the original did, eh? All right. All right. And and you wanted to, you know, go this route. I, I can kind of see your justification. And, and apparently I read, I did some research, folks. Stephen King was fine with the changes, although it'll make me go, really? Okay. Your story. Uh, so that's there. Now, the first movie had a great ending. It was like one of those, oh, just creepy kind of good ending. Oh, also, the first movie did star Denise Crosby, who, of course, we last saw before this movie as Tasha Yar in Star Trek's The Next Generation. So that was, I forgot she was in this, and I thought, well, that's cute. Uh, so the, the, the original one had a really kind of mm, dark, creepy ending. And they do that in this one. Now, what's interesting about this, in the extras, they do give an alternative ending, which is just as creepy, but different. So you can judge how you want to go. Both endings are like, man, this is a messed up situation. Uh, but you can judge how creepy you want it to be. Either one, it's like, it's okay. So I can see where they went with it. Now, the, there are a, a big lot of extra for that, uh, extras with this, uh, in this one. And so you do get a fair chunk. Oh, also, by the way, the, the kid, uh, it's, uh, Lawrence, I was wondering where I saw her. We last saw her in the TV show Sneaky Pete. So that's kind of where she's been. She was good in that. I think in some way she had a better role in that. And um, and the, the actress who played Rachel, Amy Simmons, she mostly has been a director. So this is her first kind of acting role in this one. And with this one, they had a bog that they actually built in to the set. Uh, and, and the extras on this the set are good. They, they did go a lot to make this movie, they did do a lot of practical sets and not a lot of green screen, which I applaud. Thank you. You know, you really want to creep out your actors. Do that. And that worked. Overall, I mean, there is a creepiness in there. There are a few little jump scares because every modern horror movie has to have a jump scare in this one. So there is that. They do talk about the changes in the extras and why they did them and their rationale for it. You also get a lot of deleted and extra scenes to it. Uh, you do quotes for this. You do get um, the stuff of nightmares. It'll make you jump out of your seat, according to Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. Some of the jump scares, yeah, it did kind of get me, and and it is creepy. The cat, church. Oof, they, they cranked up the creep scale <laughs> with this kitty. He's a man kitty. Uh, and this one, so Stephen King's hate of cats still carries through. Overall, I mean, if you really love the original, you might have problems with the changes. I view it as what it is. It is a, a retelling of the story. I get their changes, but as I said before, I feel they kind of whisked out 
you know, we do have a new Chucky movie that just came out uh, of a small little person that is attacking bigger people. So, I don't know. I I really would have... And I can see it a lot. They don't want to make a shot-for-shot remake of the original either. Get that. But, I don't know, you be the judge whether you feel that the changes were made or they should have done something different. Overall, it is it is creepy. They, they do include uh, a cover. There's a group called the... I've never heard of... that do a cover of Pet Cemetery. It's not bad. I personally would love to just put the Ramones song back in there, but again, they want to do it, but it's not a bad cover of the Ramones, and at least they get credited for writing it, which they should. So that is there. Overall, it is what it is. There hasn't been talk of the sequel, because honestly, with either ending, I don't know how the hell you'd sequel this. Unless it's yet another family. And, but it's not much of a sequel. There is rumors of a prequel. I could see maybe make a prequel focusing on the younger Judd and his side of it. It is what it is. It is Pet Cemetery. Um, and there's no direct commentary, just him. It is a unique retelling of, of an old story. It's just a matter of do you like the changers or do not? So that is my take of uh, Pet. And look, there's over 90 minutes of bonus content. So at least they give you a lot. So that is my... T oh, and the... <laughs> uh, you know, you know, Ramblers, before uh, I finish this up, you know, one of the things that always gets me is French translations. Because I will point this out, because we live in the great country of Canada. And I did notice um, that the French translation... Um, for this one is Cimetière Vivante. Now, I'm going to tell you that I'm pretty sure that is, is not the proper translation. So what I'm going to do, because I like to do this. I meant to do this earlier, but this is me. I'm going to type in this in French, thanks to Google Translate. And I'm going to tell you what that translates to. So, in French, it translates to Living Cemetery. Not Pet Cemetery. Because I kind of thought Vivant was living. Living Cemetery. Now, if we were to switch this, and actually put in Pet Cemetery, spelled correctly, because if I do it the wrong way, it won't get it. It is Cinematère Animalier, which is Animal Cemetery, which I guess just doesn't ring off the tongue. So that's properly what it should be translated. So they got the cemetery part right, but yeah, so there you go. Yay translations in not doing there. Because I don't know, maybe in French, Cinematère Vivant sounds better than Cinematère Animalier. You be the judge. So that is my take of Pet Cemetery 2009 on Blu ray, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment.
that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me in a number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the retweets and favorites and all that kind of fun stuff on Twitter. Keep in mind, folks, I still have a code to give away for Game of Thrones. I still have a physical copy, as far as I know, of us to give away. You need to listen to my older shows. You need to tweet me the answers. You need to follow me on Twitter. And then I will DM you if you got it right and, and arranged to either send you us via the good folks at Universal or give you the code for Game of Thrones Season 8. It's just that easy. That's all you got to do is listen to the older shows. You'll see it, how you can do it. That's all I'm going to say. Of course, you can always check me out. All new episodes are right here in TalkShoe. I'm show 18411. That's my caller ID. Check me out here on TalkShoe. Of course, all my older shows are still on Libsyn. That's HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, ramblingrest.libsyn.com. That's over eight plus years podcast goodness from 2008 till 2013. And then from there, I jumped over here to TalkShoe. That's where you can find the old shows. You can also find the old shows in um, iTunes. Just type in Ramble with Russell in the Facebook search aid and the iTunes search engine under podcast and you'll find me there. You can also check out my Facebook page as well. Just type in Ramble with Russell, although I haven't updated it in a long, long time, but check it out if you can. That's where you can find me. Coming up on the show, lots to talk about in the future. I still have a good load of stuff, courtesy of the great folks at the BBC. Because they like me, and I like them, and there you go. Including uh, Innocent, The Village, Seasons 1 and 2, and uh, a few other shows as well, including Death in Paradise, and uh, still had Pride and Prejudice, and a few other things as well. So that's possibly as well. Um, also, coming up next week, I should be getting a copy of Shazam! on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Video, so I'll be definitely checking that out. Although, partially for that movie, it's been kind of spoiled for me. And I'll tell you why, when I review that, why that movie is partially because of various things been spoiled for me already. I know kind of the plot of most of it, sadly. But I'll get into that. The other DCs, Captain Marvel, if you will. And so that's coming up, and I'm hoping as well to get a hold of um, Batman and vs. Ninja Turtles. That's still possibly on the docket. Well, from the BBC, uh, Luther, the complete series with Idris Elba, all five seasons on DVD, and uh, one of these days uh, as well, I'll get you my blue review of Wonder Park. And for Luther, I may reach out to the good my good friend Dave Cooper, who of course runs the Cultum Collective right here in Talkshoe. I encourage you to check out his show, him and Ian, talk about all kinds of things, pop culture, sci-fi, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and they do their show live, whereas I do my tape. I may bring, uh, approach Dave once I get through Luther and bring him on, and we actually may do a show live, because I know he's a big fan of that show, and he'd be a great person to talk with about it. Also, kind of on the backlog, I may talk about uh, DC-wise, is the uh, Death of Superman, the Reign of Supermen, 
Justice League Fatal Five, and maybe Black Lightning Season One. We'll see. Black Lightning Season One. We'll see when it comes to that. Well, that is it for the first show on a MacBook. Yeah, it was going to happen sooner or later. We'll see how this sounds. If you think there's an improvement, let me know. If you really think I should go back to the Acer, I don't want to, but let me know. And we'll go from there. That is it. I hope everybody stays hydrated and cool. The summers just keep marching on. And we'll attack to you next time right here on Ramble with Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.